commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright center of the galaxy, I'm Greg Sekondak, and you're listening to Core World News, your holiday news service providing in-depth coverage of the latest stories from around the galaxy. Now, for your news segment rundown for July 10th, 2022. Reading Raftar. Now we have Ben Grant, Adam, to review Mike Chen's Star Wars Brotherhood. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Grex. Welcome back to another week of Core World News. Uh, here with Grant and Adam, and we are going to talk about brotherhood, uh, just like uh, our guy Grex just uh, told us. So, yeah, a little little forewarning for everyone here: this is going to be spoiler filled, as always. This is a place to either you read the book and you just want to hear some people chatting about it and mulling through all the things that happened in detail, or you didn't want to read the book and you want to know what happened. Um, this is a good place for you, yeah. but uh, otherwise. I love getting right to the end of the book first, um, <laughs> even though this one's more about the journey than the destination for yeah. sure. Um, gentlemen, what did uh, I first, saying, first thought? I think what you're saying is we're cutting the braid and we're going to the under levels. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's what I should have said. Should have said it myself. <laughs> I'm ready. I am so excited for this. This book is a beautiful story of beginnings, the first days of Anakin's knighthood, the early days of the war. Obi-Wan's first days is post-Padawan days. Uh, It's just so cool. You know, amongst this beautiful plot of political intrigue and uh, sort of like movements within by the separatists during the the early stages of the the Clone Wars. So intriguing. So cool. I love the book. What do you guys think? I'm going to jump in because I think this might surprise you because I sent kind of a snarky text to you guys when I was about halfway through the book. I will not reveal what that snarky text said. Uh, (laughs) I I really enjoyed this book. I think because what Ben had said, it's about the journey, not the destination type of book. And it is your classic slow burn of a book. And um, I love, as we talked about, like my complaint about the Batman is it could have been it could have been longer and slower. like that's what I wanted out of my movies. Like I love yeah. slow burn movies, and I've not. I've, it's it's taken me a while to get used to slow burn books, and so I was about halfway through, kind of going, yeah, yeah. What 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 are we doing? Like where are we going? Do, I then, I kind of like, want Mike yeah. Chen to continue chronicling this relationship. Yeah. Like it's almost right. perfect. I was like, can we get three yeah. or three to five more books from, by Mike Chen, just chronicling Obi Wan and Anakin and Padme's sort of development? You know, this is it's so good. Um, it, just, I, I, it reminds I, me of Claudia Gray's and um, oh. yeah, it's got some Lost Stars vibes to it. I yeah, think. just really it's, good. It's really personal, really yeah. in their minds, yeah. understanding the inner motivations of the characters in a way. Like I, I mean, it, it made me appreciate um, episode two and three a bit more with Anakin. Like yeah. I, I felt like I got a better understanding of Anakin in this book. Yeah, oh you don't gosh. get you don't just get more dimension with Anakin and Obi Wan and, mm-hmm. and you also get more dimension out with uh, the Nemoidians, which are just sort of like yes. bad guys yeah. in the Phantom Menace. You get a lot of Cato Nemoidia, the history, yes. the people, uh, the, the the sort of like uh, people's uh, patriotism there and and their sort of relationship to the state. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I think like Mike said, Mike Chen definitely took exception to the Nemoidians, how they were played off. And he was like, nope, this is a risk culture. And, it was, you know, teaching a really you know valuable lesson about how you how 
cultures are perceived. It's like you may know one thing about them, but there's always these other layers. And Kano and Nemodia is like the most beautiful, like one of the most beautiful biomes there are. It's like a, a hammock like civilization. They live in like hammock cities and then with like over arches over hammocks and stuff as well. It's it's just strikingly yeah, beautiful. Suspended cities uh, yeah. amongst the mountains like it, yeah. it's yeah. in the clouds. It's gorgeous. What a gorgeous place. Yeah. And guys, I don't know if you saw this, but this is not the first Mike Chen rating Star Wars that we have read. Uh, uh, certain few, right? Yes, he did the yeah. disturbance chapter yeah. with uh, Sid Darth Sidious. In yep. that uh, is such a good chapter. That yeah, is- yeah, it's it's just yeah. like I'll never forget that chapter. I think about it all the time, and it's really, yeah, it's Sidious sort of understanding. Uh, Luke and Luke's potential as a you know as as in a threat really to Sidious like which is um yeah it was a it was a fantastic oh I mean his handling of Palpatine in this book is off the charts I loved those scenes and and you get some really impactful moments in Anakin's arc in this book I mean you get yeah well we'll get we'll get to it but in later and I guess it's midway through the book I think he talks about his mom and what happens yeah I mean you know part of what is missing from the prequel movies mm-hmm. and why the um the tale of dark plagueis the wise is perhaps one of the best scenes in all of star wars history so it definitely good. in my book the best scene in prequel history is that similar like some of the issues we get with prequels is that we don't get the relationships explored that we'd want sometimes yeah. and this book does both of those things like we don't get a lot of obi-wan and anakin in the prequels in reality when you think about it, they're split up so much in those movies that we don't get the brotherhood, right? And then right. we don't get Anakin's seduction by Sidious very much. Like we get it a little bit. And 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 so I'm I'm glad these stories are starting to look at those things and it really builds out that era. Yeah, so much in feature films is just like this happened, deal mm-hmm. with it. And then it's like if you want to know what happened, you gotta read the comics and the and the books yeah. and um and that will sort of tell you the deeper story there, which is a, a great model. It's fun. It's hard to, I mean, you got two hours, right? What, what can you do in a movie in two hours? It's hard to get right. all those elements in. Yeah. Um, the other thing is just kind of going back is that Mike Chen did the work that some of the work that needed to be done without it feeling like homework. And what I mean by that is dealing with the Nemoidians. Yep. Like, the Nemoidians are an issue in Star Wars. We've all talked about it. It is, mm-hmm. it is an issue that needed to be addressed. And Mike Chen did a beautiful job of addressing it without explaining it away, right? But mm-hmm. also also looking at it and, and trying to make it, you know, a counterpoint, right, for for um, racism and bigotry that we've seen in America, right, and bringing it into this book that felt supernatural. And the other thing he did a really good job with, with is that Star Wars is often critiqued for from sci-fi fans a lot in that plants are known for one thing. Right. right, like, right. Usually, like there's one cultural thing that a planet is known for. And, you know, it's it's why it's fantasy, not sci fi. And so I think doing this, the Nemoidian discussion, of the Nemoidian and giving them a cultural identity, but still diversity within that identity is really important and entertaining. No, it's truly fascinating. It's It's also fascinating that they're pointing to the core worlds for generalizing the Nemoidians, whereas I think parallel to our real world, it's it's the people living in the outskirts who are generalizing the sort of, uh, I guess, the, the nation states of our world and sort of generalizing the people of those places. Mm-hmm. And, and in the galaxy, it's the cores. It's this snobbery, this sort of like highfalutin living where they just 
they disregard planets outside the, you know, the, the mid rim and they just sort of like they live in their fruitful lives without thinking about these disenfranchised people out, out, out beyond. And, uh, and, you know, ever the separatists are Count Dugu is not strictly seen as evil. He's a, he's also a character, a figure who's also, who's, who's sticking up for these, this Confederacy of separatists, you know, um, worlds that are breaking away from the Republic because they, they, they disagree with that that sort of sentiment. Yeah, and, um, and so it's, it's it's interesting how it's almost there's a lot of inversion and reversals and parallels and to our real real world. But um, just a beautiful job uh, exploring the Nemoidians, saying that not all Nemoidians are Newt Gunray. Newt Gunray belongs to a splinter group that has broken away from the Trade Federation and Cato Nemoidia, and sort of exp and it really giving depth to that and letting us understand that Newt Gunray is sort of this rogue figure who's. Yeah a yeah. part of the separatist council and not a part of Cato Demoidia and loved that. I just thought it was, he just beautifully handled that entire thing and gave more life to the, to the Nemoidians that previously was just, it was just, they were just the bad guys in the Phantom Menace. It, it was not great. It was, I think it needed this extra context. Yeah. Um, I don't know, you know, how granular we want to get on this thing, but I, I did, I found like there was like really just like three or four major themes that they dealt with here. And, you know, going into this book, I was sort of like, what are they even going to cover? You know, that wasn't covered in the Clone Wars animated series, you know, um, turns, and, out but, it turns out a lot. <laughs> turns out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So, There's yeah like so inner, have, inner thoughts, inner feelings. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot going on. There's a lot. Yeah. And so, yeah. Well, so first of all, yeah, it's very cerebral. It's like moment to moment. What, you know, what first person uh, what the the character is thinking and doing. Um, and it just swaps between all these different points of view. But I, I think it's it's Annie and Padme's relationship and Annie and his relationship with his his cybernetics. I didn't realize yeah. that was going to be such a big like point, yeah. but that was huge. Also, his relationship with Sand is explored in detail. Yeah. Um, and then and Annie and Obi-Wan. Um, and then but also it's you know, it's about their relationship going from father son mentor you know mentee to brother you know brotherhood obviously in the title but it's the way that they go about it is like their relationship with Qui-Gon Jinn and um how they both sort of look to Qui-Gon for answers and that that was one of the things that came in there um and then the, the like the three pillars of Anakin's life which are Padme Palpatine and Obi-Wan that's like those are the only people he cares about in the world and they all represent different factors. And he's always just sort of like hoping that they align. Right. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, if everything's working correctly, they all should align. And like yeah. just that alone is like, OK, now we understand, you know, Revenge of the Sith a lot more in his behavior there because there's a break and, you know, he doesn't want to see a break. Um, and then, yeah. There's there's another thing too that I want to talk about that's minor with Duchess Satine, but we can talk yeah. about that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating that Obi is sort of hiding Satine and Anakin is hiding his relationship with Padme. And I was like, yeah. this is destroying them. With yeah. all these secrets, it's destroying their relationship. So you it's, know, it's just yeah. I don't know. I thought it was yeah. Weird. And, and Obi-Wan keeps uh, like rationalizing it away. He's like, oh, I shouldn't talk to him about it. Yeah, I talk he's to him more about rational it. about it, but 
he's still hiding it. He is. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not necessarily scared. right. Yeah. He's just rationalizing because he yeah. doesn't want to yeah. deal with it head on. Cause I, you know, he's a hundred percent wrong because this falls under what is often for me, a pet peeve in TV and movies is where a, a, a major issue could be solved with two people having a conversation. However, it worked for me in this book because, because of the inner monologue, right? Yeah. Like that's what I need is like, all right. So I totally get why Obi-Wan's not doing it. He's hundred percent wrong. Like if, if yeah. literally he talked about Satine, like all he would need to do, like if he talked to Anakin about Satine, we right. would not have had the fall of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Right. Cause they both had something to share. I mean, Anakin yeah. has taken it a little further for a Jedi, but they both can relate and they both can share this, these information. It just, it's, yeah, it baffles me as to why they couldn't yeah. as brothers sort of come together on that. But it's also, it's also, it's also organic foundation for how their relationship falls apart. It's, yeah. it's actually beautifully done. I think Mike Chen does a great job giving us those inner thoughts from Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yeah. Um, Cause in the, in this book, I think you get lines from both Anakin and Obi-Wan that perfectly distill the other. And I think, Obi-Wan says Anakin always moves like seven steps ahead, uh, unwilling to fall back on inference and using careful deduction or I, I don't know the line verbatim, but that's it's something of that effect. And that's exactly right. Anakin is just he just pushes ahead. He doesn't think. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. fall back on inference. That's Obi-Wan. And then Anakin says, if anyone can find the truth, it's Obi-Wan. And I think that perfectly distills who Obi-Wan is. He's someone who's always searching to shed light and illuminate the facts and find the context right it's like that's what obi-wan does yeah. <laughs> i don't know like, that's yeah just what he does. yeah that's <laughs> and, and, thwart, and thwart the evil right like that's just he's just the he's the good guy i mean that's yeah yeah, yeah. and we get a lot of um yeah investigator obi-wan here where it's just like we we see his methods dexter gesture is a uh big you know ally to obi-wan but like it, it's cool like He's really, we're really just we're really going to the Coco District right now. Yeah, really that. That. I never <laughs> left the Coco. We're bringing up quite possibly one of the greatest Star Wars characters ever invented. And Dexter. the scene's amazing. Like they basically put a put a cup put a pot of coffee on and work through a yeah. problem overnight. And like, By the way, like, Obi Wan and I both yeah. like our coffees black and strong. Mm -hmm. And so I like. Yeah. So we're about the same. And uh, actually, I like my coffee like uh, uh, Anakin, who likes it with a little bit of cream, splash cream. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm mad at your splash area. movement. Now, it sometimes pays off. All right. I'm a little jealous. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that yeah. admittance in this book was wild to me. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. But I guess you could always sense that in the movies. Just a sort of like, uh, he does kind of just his style and flourish does pay off sometimes. And he does, yeah. he is effective. It's yeah. true. I, yeah. I think that kind of like, so I just got a comment on it now because it's been, it's, it's been, <laughs> on my mind but so behind ben right now <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. on a skype screen is is the scene from episode two with um obi-wan and anakin in the elevator to padme and it's it's they added that in they added that scene in like after they were done shooting right this is i knew this was either the last scene they ever shot or the first scene they ever shot it's, which it's one is it? the last the last it's like that's yeah, why the pablo has said on pablo hidalgo uh has said on twitter that i think this is the last scene that yeah was ever and shot. it's and and it kind of added months back. and months yes. after and the shooting because <laughs> lucas realizes oh we don't have any scenes that show that they're actually like friends and they've been through a history so this is like the nest of gundark scene but, mm -hmm. but after the scene, I think is even more important. And it's one of my favorite little moments in the prequel. Do you think Rick McCollum and George are just sitting in an office, just like throwing pencils around and just being like, you know, like, 
should have Anakin and Obi Wan like in an elevator, you know, chatting. I don't know, I don't know if it's. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Rick. Was they were saying, I don't think Rick McCall was saying anything. But like, yeah, George, that's great. Do it. That's great. Do it some more. You're perfect. Yeah, Rick McCall was like, anything. sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes, George. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so I think someone else probably watched the rough cut and said, um, "Why are they friends? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why do they like each other?" Um, All right, sorry, I interrupted you. I no, just, no, it's fine. So after just... the scene is one of her things where um, it's after Padme goes to sleep and the assassin droid comes by and drops the little insects, and Anakin goes something like, "There's danger. I sense it." And Obi Wan says, "In yes, a I very sense it too. No, I, sense I sense it too." He said, "Like the two is like he holds onto that word." A it's little. so perfect. It's said. I mean, it's also why Ewan McGregor is one of the best actors ever because it shows everything. Like. The whole thing, this book is called Brotherhood. Yes. Do you ever yes. elucidate on the fact of what Brotherhood is, right? There's not like a whole, as I remember, there's not like a like two-page thing. Yeah. Yeah. But we think of Brotherhood as this bond that of love, which it is, but it's also a bond of competition, yes. right? Like brothers don't get along all the time, and I think that's what we forget about with Anakin. Yes, they are like brothers. Brothers often compete and fight and argue and have very different personalities, and, and I think that's really and, just... Well, that's really, also yeah. the missing X factor of all the discussions surrounding the prequels and I think the Clone Wars is that, like, you know, logistically, Anakin is just more effective than most Jedi. And so when Anakin asserts himself into, like, yeah. I should be on that planet, I think it is a selfless gesture. I don't think it's him wanting the spotlight. I think he's like, logistically, I'll end the threat before yes. most, most other yeah. Jedi. Like, and so that plays into Obi-Wan's lot, you know, reasoning. And I think we just missed that. I think a lot of the time people just talk around that. And it's kind of like, right. no, he's actually just very effective. And they use him strategically mm -hmm. as well, you know. he's an, He was an enforcer for the Empire, but he was also an enforcer for the Republic. You know, he was also there to just end mm. conflict you know that's really a good insight man yeah. i you know i'm thinking about like clone wars season seven where they're like uh anakin comes in to save obi-wan again the, the 212th is just like <laughs> yeah. pinned down and obi-wan just like i mean anakin just like stands on the top of their like you know foxhole looking at anakin the, saving obi-wan no i know and then he's just like and they just run straight at it like the whole 501st and just like get it done and um, that was another thing that baffled me we'll get into the kind of chronological story in this book but early in this book i think obi-wan has a chance to tell yoda mace and palpatine about what dooku said in attack of the clones and he doesn't but contemplates it later in the book and sort of I guess uh, asserts that Yoda and the council kind of know that the dark side is clouding them and know that like there is a sort of dark threat in the galaxy looming, but yeah. not, but he doesn't, he doesn't tell them directly about the conspiracy that there's a Sith Lord at the center of the Republic. Like he doesn't. I, well, I think he's, that. I think there is a scene at the end of attack of the clones, right? Where they talk about it. Where there, it's a hallway shot with Mace and Yoda, and yeah. he's, they're like, oh, well, clouded. Dark side is clouded, and he's like, you know, he's like, this happened. Should we take this threat seriously? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah. And so that would have happened. I almost wanted more of that. I was like, what's yeah. going on with that conspiracy? Are we talking, are we mulling over that as the Jedi Council, or the Council with Palpatine and the kind of higher up senators? Are we talking about that? Like, is that something that's, are we trying to find that threat? Even if, I mean, like, Maybe if that, your enemy he, tells you that, I'm yeah. still going to take that information and like drain the swamp and like figure out who's corrupt within my system and right. that person. Yeah. Right. I, I know. Maybe, maybe that should be the Mike Chen's follow up, right? Sure. He, he clearly loves love writing that. in this era. Like, I want mm -hmm. someone to tackle the yeah. 
ineptitude and failures of the Jedi mm -hmm. Council, and not in a necessarily negative way, but similar how Mike Chen did this, was like, why this relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan failed, he was able to tell this in a way that wasn't super depressing. It was still a good Avenger story. He's like, tell the story of like why the Jedi I just can't believe the Jedi don't have, like, prosecutors. Like, that. I just don't... I'm so confused as to why the Jedi don't have, like, an elite branch of kind of diplomatic, bureaucratic, you know, Jedi who go... I mean, the, deal the, with the Senate, part you know? of, of the Jedi Council is existent. It's <laughs> just, yeah, I know. They're just like, and you guys will be the generals of our clone armada and then also, uh, you know, deal with Senate matters, but you're just monks? Like, it's just so confusing. It's baffling to me. It's so, but then again, when you go back to the High Republic and there's like the Pathfinder, the Wayfinders, the Pathfinders, I think, whatever the, the ones, the Wayseekers, sorry, Wayseekers. Yeah. yeah. There, do, there do seem to be other special, special. Yeah specialties within the Jedi. It's interesting. I don't know. I feel like in this era, and, and probably because of what happens in the High Republic, is mm -hmm. that they've become very tied back to the Republic, right? And very that they stable. pushed away and they went to the brown robes. Yeah. They pushed away. They got yeah. rid of all the sort of like the illustrious monks golden now. robes. Yeah. And they were yeah. like, yeah. let's go back to our brown, like, you know, was we're not scholars and like explorers. Scholars. We're monks. Like, it, sure. And, I was, you know, before we were before we were taping, I was ragging on the old EU a little bit as my, I'm working my way through it. But I'm reading the Dark Nest trilogy, um, oh. which I was thinking <laughs> I of the catalyst. So we're all, I guess, rereading books. Yeah, it's all bug. We're all rereading bug yeah. stories. Um, but it's there's a big part of that. It's like after the New Jedi Order, the Yuuzhan Vong War, and Luke is struggling about like how to make an effective Jedi Order again. And it's actually I really appreciate this more than what happened to Yuuzhan Vong of just like. What is the force? How do we interpret it? Are, do we work for the Republic? Do we not? Like, I just think it's really interesting, and I'd love to see some more of that, you know, with the yeah. new, you know, with new canon. Yeah. yeah, and especially, like, going on after the prequel, after the sequels, mm -hmm. I'd love to see that explored again, you know, and I do like, you know, what we picked up in that um, Star Wars comic where, you know, they tell, like, well, the, the Jedi Order is very adaptable, and in this book, they're adapting to life during wartime, Right. and, you know, but it they just get essentially played like fiddles by Sidious uh, uh, because he's yeah. right at the middle of it. I mean, to to blow a little bit of the ending here, it, the, you know, we don't really know who who bombed Cato Nemodia. Like it, the the problem's not solved. No. It's just yeah. like they say the evidence points towards both sides. Therefore, there's a third party that we should be yeah. worried about. But, yeah. And of course, we know who the third party is. And then all that does is give uh, Palpatine license to bring the Jedi Order further into the war and he's like oh wow well you better all be generals then and yeah. it's like okay I mean, that was another yeah that was bizarre when like i guess like at one point in the book i think they talk about how i guess padawans who are freshly minted knights are like sent to the front lines <laughs> yeah, i know like and it's because palpatine like it's palpatine's mandate for that or something like yeah. it was like i was baffled by that i was like there's no way palpatine's allowed to yeah, you know, choose which Jedi are sent to the front line or have a say right. in that at yeah. all. And then I guess so. It just kind of perplexed me, but I don't know. No, I agree. But I do like the fact that they didn't, like you said, Ben, they didn't actually reveal who, there was no scene. It, it was such restraint mm -hmm. book because I kept waiting for the, the cut mm -hmm. scene to Palpatine's office going, yes, yes, all to my plan, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you didn't need that scene. You know, you know it's yeah. Palpatine through the entirety of this. Like, it's great. I know, because they're even like in the, in. I guess at one point in the book, they're like, 
Count Dooku's hologram appears next to Palpatine's hologram, <laughs> and it stood for the stark contrast of the powers, the, the stark power balance in the galaxy. And I was like, these two guys are aligned. It's yeah, a, they are a hundred percent aligned. Look for everyone. These two I guys. Just, turns I out, love it. I kind of love. Uh, yeah, I kind of think it's genius. I think Count Dooku's Rising is one of my favorite characters of all time because I think like the idea of the whole Palpatine Count Dooku sort of like uh, like false flag, like all these, yeah. Im- I guess sort of like elaborate plans is like that's fascinating to me. Like I almost want that book, Dooku Insidious. I just do all these elaborate sort of undertakings to but like also Dooku getting the galaxy. Dooku not even knowing like the extent he's being used. Like I, I yeah. do love they George did such a good job in the prequels of making Palpatine like the arch villain. Like I again, one of my favorite scenes in episode three, which <laughs> Uh, by the way, I'm on vacation this weekend, and I think it was TNT was having a Star Wars marathon all weekend long. Oh, wow. So we come back into the hotel room and just turn the TV on, so whatever whatever part. So I think I kept seeing the opening scene. To, I think I saw the opening scene to Revenge of the Sith four times, as did <laughs> oh, my two year old. So I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if she needs to see the the uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't the capitation of uh, Dooku. <laughs> yeah, right. But I do love that scene where he finally turns like he like Dooku's so so cocky and thinks he's in on it, and he just and then probably just like do it. <laughs> The look, the look on on Lee's face is just such. So, yeah, the yeah. understanding and the horror. Yeah. Oh, I've been so, there. <laughs> I would have started talking right then and there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the treasure is yeah. hidden. Yeah. He's, he, he's a Sith. He has a few words right there. You can yeah. say it. Sith, 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 Sith. Sith. Yeah. You couldn't get that out. Oh man. Um. So well, we're talking about the the plans of Sidious right here. So what what did this accomplish? If I'm, we're pretty sure it's Darth Sidious and Dooku, but yeah. are, are behind this thing. So well, he Asajj, planted evidence. See, we're, we're, we're kind of burying the lead with Asajj Ventress is like a huge player. Yeah, her, her coming out party, basically. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I just loved every scene. She's kind of like this really ominous threat for Obi-Wan and Anakin. And it's just like, it did kind of confuse me because I thought they had met before, but I guess this was the first time she was meeting Obi Wan. Yeah, because this and is right after Attack of the Clones, so this yeah, is yeah, really this is, like, right. yeah. this is pretty fresh. And, so and, yeah, this is the first time they've met. So that's yeah. so cool that this is the first sort of uh, incident with her. Um, she's great. I love Mike Chen's writing for her. I thought it was yep. perfect, yeah. and I could have her in more stories going forward. Like I loved uh, his his handling of that character. I thought beautiful beautiful work and just scary and like made her biting and made her every word menacing yeah yeah menacing yeah just awesome character powerful yeah yeah she was a real force to be reckoned with in this um yeah i just wanted to just shout out yeah but yeah no i i did too it's so great and and mike chen talked about like old canon and this they talked about the original clone wars animated um series and and how like he was just trying to like thread the needle with the fans of like, well, the these, uh, you know, Anakin versus Asajj Ventress could still be canon. He just didn't know he was fighting Asajj Ventress because it was dark and rainy. Like, yeah. I like the fact that Mike Chen, no one asked him to do this homework. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but he kept trying to like, same with Labyrinth of Evil. Like, it's just very close to the Grievous Labyrinth of Evil. Uh, That's right. Like, oh, he's like, both of these. Oh, I was like, Labyrinth of Evil, it's flashback to. Yeah. But I'm glad he's doing that. But like, yeah. He made another uh, Tartarovsky uh, 
homage with the ship design that Asajj Ventress was flying at the time. Mm-hmm. That's the it's the ship from uh, from the Tartar from the Cartier. Yeah, from yeah, the Cartier. Right. yeah. Yeah, he honors basically all the canon that's come before, I think. And um and non-canon cuz technically yeah. Tartakovsky's yeah. not, but I don't know, but now it's on Disney Plus, so is it? I don't know. It's not that weird. It's not that weird mm-hmm. there yeah, that zone. weird selection of whatever, but I think I think they're trying to I'm trying to trying to like not let's just pull in as much old as you can as they can. Mm-hmm. And why not? I don't think there's anything yeah. especially especially yeah. pre episode you know, before episode 6 anything that really violates canon, right? Like it's all right. it all can work. Um, it's also funny. I'm reading this book uh, right now. It takes place, and they clearly it was written just after episode three. So now Luke is trying to find found videos of R two uh, of uh, Padme and Anakin from episode three. And it's really weird. <laughs> it's really weird. What? Oh, it's no. really are they weird. in the under levels, or are they are another another world? Are they? No, uh, it's like it's the 13, no, it's, 13, it's literally just the scenes from episode three. <laughs> like it's from like like between Anakin and Padme. So like Luke is just watching those scenes. What book are you reading? Uh, it's, it the, canon? it's the um, Dark Nest trilogy. Oh, that's the Dark Nest. Yeah, it's part of that. It's, that's a subplot. Is he it, R2 is, is degrading and there's other hidden holograms that no one knew about. So it's so weird. Um, but I want to get back to Ben's question because I don't know if I have an answer to it, but I want to get your thoughts because, like, again, what what is so what is Palpatine's grand team? Yeah, I, I think you hit some of it, Ben. I think that's a big part of it is to force the Jedi into because he knows this will corrupt their soul right to to force them into being warriors yeah i mean i think like the goal is always escalation right and i Mm -hmm. think that's sort of what we're seeing a lot right now with nationalism it's like once you like escalate and and polarize then then you destabilize and you know there's there's opportunities there but you get you drag in people that normally wouldn't care or be motivated to fight and you well, know. let's look at the outcomes of this book. Like, right. I think the outcomes of the book yeah. will tell us if this is all going according to Palpatine's plan or if there's X factors that he didn't account for. Because I feel like Obi Wan getting a permanent seat on the council is something he didn't account for. And I think others could easily argue that he wants to build the rivalry between Anakin and give. Yeah. Don't you think that him being on the council does build that rivalry a little bit more? I think it does, but I think Obi-Wan overall is the X factor that takes down Palpatine. It's a big theory I have. It's a big, like, I I think it's the, I think, I mean, you can do Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Yoda if you want, but I feel like Obi-Wan Kenobi is the big thing that Palpatine did not account for. He's the undervalued. Forever, forever, throughout all time. He's true. undervalued, underappreciated, under, you know, because if you think about it, like Yoda is like the grandmaster. And then you have Qui-Gon, who is just this just this powerhouse of a, of a legend. And then you get him training Obi-Wan, but basically kicking Obi-Wan to the curb to to, to try to like to do the chosen one. And so mm-hmm. people don't pay attention to Obi-Wan because it's almost like he wasn't there. And he just was so I think I think also is like when you watch Obi-Wan and Anakin together, he looks from the outside, so ineffective and bad mm-hmm. at his job, Obi-Wan, right? Because he's, he's the definition of underrated. <laughs> yeah, and so I think people underestimate him. And I yeah, think that's sure. like that theory, Ben, that he's kind of the fly in the ointment, or Grant, he's kind of the fly in the ointment that we're not, people aren't paying attention to for Palpatine. Yeah, yeah. that's so right. Like, he sees, yeah, Palpatine sees, you know, Obi-Wan gets spanked by Dooku, and he's like, well, he's not going to be a threat, you yeah, know? Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's huh. create this, let's create this. Yeah. So, so 
Anakin and Obi-Wan go, or basically contest to go deal with the threat or deal with it, but obviously Obi-Wan sent. And it's kind of like this, it's the, it's the top priority for the Jedi and it's the political hearsay yeah. for the galaxy. And Obi-Wan's being sent to deal with it. Palpatine thinking, oh, that's going to anger Anakin or Anakin's going to be jealous that he's not on the front lines with Obi-Wan dealing with this terrorist matter, whatever. And instead... Obi-Wan gets a permanent seat on the council at the end of this. Right? Yeah. That Which is like, he, he, I think he did come back and the council was like, you did such a great job, Obi-Wan. And I'm like, did you read the same book I read? Like, yeah. did you see <laughs> yeah. the same hollow I saw? Because like, I'm pretty sure he caused an international incident or intergalactic right. incident. And, and had like a speech that was effective, but didn't really do anything. But it was a good speech. It was a really good speech. Really good speech. Um, so I, I think that's interesting. Like, So when I look at Palpatine, so if we go from like, what, what did he accomplish in this book to his grand plan? I've kind of gone back and rewatched and I've just simplified. His grand plan were two things. One, to get control, uh, basically to, um, I don't know, declare elections invalid and to be and to have a permanent role as leader. Um, which, and the second thing is to, is to eliminate the Jedi, right? Those are just two goals. And this yeah. book accomplishes, moves, the, moves it forward in both ways. Because Ben, as you mentioned, this states, um, sows chaos. Yeah. makes the war seem that much worse we're now killing civilians right like it looks it gets everyone rah 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 let's keep the war going which gives him a reason to declare a state of emergency to be, to keep his seat and then it also forces as you mentioned the jedi to become part of the war officially so now they're no longer they're no longer considered impartial yeah. arbiters of peace they are generals of one side of a war and that's really easy to start turning public perception around on that right because they're right. looking at as as political pawns now well he was able to parlay it into like into that like into like mm -hmm. ingraining the jedi but i'm just what like what did he think a did he know it was going to be obi-wan that was sent did he want that and then b like what did he want to have happen there because they were planning evidence that was damning to the republic Right. So was he looking for someone was, to like really that would to what that evidence was? They were like the separatists have well, evidence. And yeah, was, it's evident. Yeah. Okay. It just I wish they had elaborated a little bit more on. Yeah, what, I think we're just supposed to take it on its face value that it's like, well, these are the markers of of an operation by the separatists. These are the markers yeah. of an operation by the Republic. So like, was he? Did he try to catch a Jedi being um, untrue, like uh, you know, lying? Or because bearing, like yeah, bearing evidence, maybe maybe that bear, was like whole. bearing evidence, or yeah, yeah do we, you know, and but they got the whitest knight of all the the white yeah, the most stalwart like or, full Jedi, yeah. Was yeah. The other thing is that originally Palpatine was going to go right, and it was that was crazy to me, by the way. I but mean, like I don't know if that's like prescient. Yeah. You could, don't forget, Dooku and Saga would have been there. Horrible. So was he like, trying? Because remember at the beginning of Episode Three, it's he gets kidnapped, right, right yeah. before Episode Three. <laughs> And that's part of what he uses to to justify more oh, spending executive more. power. Yeah, right. So maybe this was an earlier attempt to do that, like to go Ooh. there, get captured and be and get rescued and be able to get this done and actually move it would have moved it forward, forward faster. Maybe that was his goal is to get. Uh, no, I think I think always throwing himself into the political fray is going to cause the Jedi to send a council member like an elite yeah. Jedi master. And so, yeah. 
I think he wanted to see which Jedi Master they'd pick. He wants to understand the power structure of the Jedi, who they send, why they send them, what their thinking is. And it also it also pushes them to think about effectiveness. Again, like, again, this, this thing I keep talking about, which is like, Anakin's a very effective Jedi. Like, who do they send to go deal with this kid in a Moidian conflict? Yeah. They send Obi-Wan Kenobi just because he's temporarily filling the seat of Coleman Trevor. And I guess, Col- Col- which was crazy to me. I was like, what? I was like, what? Yeah. Obi-Wan took Coleman Trevor. Is this the first time we're hearing that this is the seat he took and all this cool lore? Yeah. But uh, that was awesome. Uh, yeah, and it was that was cool. And yeah, it's, I think he wants to understand the power dynamics of the Jedi, or I guess the the reasoning or the. Yeah, perhaps. I think you you made me think of something really interesting. Is I, you know we often we've talked about it before we often talk about like what type of mastermind is Palpatine? Like right. was he like first to do A, which leads to B, leads to C, leads to D, all the way to Z? Like did he have it planned out from like Phantom Menace all the way up to Episode <laughs> yeah. Three, or does he know what his ultimate goal is and he just throws random bombs into the mix? Yeah. Knowing that he's a lot of bombs to like to to pull it into his will, like to 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 turn it to his his advantage. Like I wonder if that's part of it. He just sows chaos. Like conflict oh, will yeah. inevitably right. help the dark side. Like any form of conflict that yeah. transpires will yeah. help Sidious because people have to make drastic choices in that time yeah. and. The Jedi, for them, they get spread. Th- he spreads them th- thin, right? And in this, you actually, Obi-Wan says they're 10,000 strong, which I held onto that line. I was like, oh, the Jedi are 10,000. That's how many are Jedi. Wow. I never yeah. really knew that. I never I, knew after that Geonosis, they're 10,000? Yeah, okay. that, number, 000, threw that seven, number threw me for a loop. Yeah. I yeah. thought it was always that was a, a ten thousand. Yeah. Like, that sounds about right to me. That's the what galaxy, yeah. you're like that's not a lot of Jedi to cover yeah. the galaxy. This is why we need to get some of these writers on the podcast because I just want to ask Mike Chen of like. <laughs> I know. I, like, I think no. I think that'd be a great question when we get some writers. When we get writers on this podcast, I'm gonna yeah. yeah. We're gonna visualize it. Is to ask them like, explain what type of what type of mastermind do you see Palpatine as? I want to okay. get all of their takes of like. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a fantastic cool. mystery that he leaves unanswered, which is great. Um, I mean, I think we could probably talk the rest of this podcast just about, like, what Sidious was trying to accomplish there. <laughs> yeah, we probably could. Always. It always. wouldn't even be this book, because we haven't even talked about, like, uh, Rook, Quorum. I was going to say, we got some Yeah, Italian. or uh, Mill Abeloth. Abel- Standout characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really great Nemoidian characters uh, that we really get to sit with and we really get to see them take different sides on this this conflict, which is between the Separatists and the Republic, and who's who's who is ultimately culpable for this bombing. Uh, it's such a cool plot, and I really liked Rook Quorum specifically. Uh, I like that character a lot. I guess she was like a sniper. Um, yeah, she was elite spec yeah, forces. Elite sniper who became yeah, uh, promoted oil guard in the book, and then witnesses this bombing and sort of goes a uh, kind of. Connects with Obi Wan afterwards, whereas yeah. Kitar connects more with Asajj afterwards. Is that? It's yes. kind of, kind of, yeah. I think um, Rug was on was a spec ops for uh, for the Trade Federation, but when the whole uh, Naboo fiasco went down, she just took a demotion as a guard back mm-hmm. on Cato Nemodia because that's where her real you know allegiance yeah. lay. Um, and so yeah, so she's you know has all these things but this is the person that yeah obi-wan sort of ends up uh working with but it's so great to feel with. the prejudice and like yeah her outlook on the galaxy and the mistreatment of the nemoidians from 
I just loved this book because it added this context that I desperately needed from the Phantom Menace, yeah. which was the Nemordians were this one-dimensional bad guy, you know, um, um, alien, you know, culture. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, like there's so many interesting facets of their culture. There's their their cities, the architecture, the 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 planet itself is stunning. Like the people have high regard for their culture, and it's also like doubles down on the sort of like attack against them when the bombing happened in the Katasura like art district. Like, right to me, I was just like, this is such a powerful book. Like, I really, really loved how much dimension it gave to the pneumonia. It's so Mike Chen on Twitter was talking about how he used Star Trek Deep Space Nine as inspiration mm -hmm. for this so book, especially with the pneumonians, because basically, in fact, if you read the afterwards, he talked about how he was envisioning um, the actress or actor Nana Vista, Vista who played um, Kira on Deep Space Nine as mm -hmm. the of that character, and that actually the her the, the character's name is a combination of three Ferengi characters from Deep Space Nine, kind of all mashed together. <laughs> oh wow! And the reason That's why so he wanted cool. to do that is, you know, the Ferengi in Deep Space Nine were introduced in uh, Next Generation, and they were very much caricatures of races, and it was really problematic. And then Deep Space Nine decided to let's build out this race, right? Like they're not yeah. just money hungry, right? Like they actually yeah. like let's like yeah. similar to how Chen brought this idea of a risk assessment culture, right? And that's what yeah. the Nemoidians the are. And so I like that both of these, like that's why I love Deep Space Nine because it, it starts to like explore these things, these characters. That you're just how, laughing how, about, right? Yeah, yeah. I love the moment in this book when I think it's Anakin, Mace, Obi Wan, Yoda, whoever they're all together or whatever, and Anakin's like, the Nemoidians can't be trusted. They're like, you know, I, I, he just totally generalizes and demon and antagonizes the Nemoidians. Mace Windu, like you need oh, the, like, waiting for that. Mace Windu to drop the hammer in those moments, almost well, like Windu. Almost, like we almost used it in the wrong way in the prequels. Like I wish, like yeah. I wish Anakin was outspoken in a really kind of like just ignorant way, insular kind of idiotic way, and then Mace Windu then dropped the hammer, and he does in this book. And I, again, Mike Chen should just continue chronicling all of this because I think he does such a good job with. Especially Mace, <laughs> kind of referring to Anakin throughout the book. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's disgruntled sort of nature with Anakin. He he does not does not like the chosen one. He does he does. Yeah. Yeah, I think he just said it, the, like if if there was a Mace show, his like he would be trying to cut down Anakin. Like that would be his thing. If he would yeah, have, yeah, that, that like, would be like, his major motivation. Would be like I it's just like what we thought about Boba Fett. We were like Boba Fett has to climb out and want to kill Han Solo, right? And it's like yeah, no, yeah. I guess the Mace show doesn't have to be that. I think the Mace show could be like he hangs out with some like mods at the bottom of Coruscant. You like, you know what I mean? It like doesn't have to. Yeah, be I mean, the Mace show. What if it was like full dark side? He's just done. Like after that, he's just full dark side. But he just like wants. I think Mace. It Mace should maybe be like in a like I don't know. Maybe put him in a wheelchair, like a kind of like a. a a space chair and he kind of like teaches someone to do something like i don't know oh, if you can professor do X. yeah i think you have to professor we can't X. do that show we can't do the show but i, I don't know <laughs> yeah or i don't uh, think so you can do like he falls out of like a, you know it's a whatever a thousand story window i don't know if that's survivable i think from the force it is i mean okay <laughs> he's uh, i mean if reva can like vault around dio i'm pretty sure mace My, could do something Darth Maul, right? spider legs end yeah. of argument moving forward um no. I know it's just an arm. It's just an yeah. arm, and you didn't even fall down like an infinite shaft, but a flesh wound. Like, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> I want to say two things. I think 
Um, I have two thoughts about Mace Windu, one about the book and then one in general relating back to the story. So first about the book, I think, you know, Grant, you mentioned this this aspect of Anakin that he's just, he is the chosen one. So he's so powerful and he, he just flies on instincts because his instincts are pretty mm-hmm. dead on because it's guided by the forest. But he needs to be humbled. And that's what Anakin is missing, right? He needs to understand that he's part of a bigger process. And I think that's Mace's, Mace Windu's biggest problem is like, the part of me is like, Mace Windu probably, actually, Windu, oops, there's a Freudian slip. Mace Ooh. Windu probably thinks he is the chosen one, but he's worried because he needs to be, if he's going to be the chosen one, he needs humility. Yeah. And I mean, and he wasn't really lacking in that. And his, his, his job, I think, when he looks at Anakin is, I am going to humble you. That is the only role I play is to humble you. Well, I think they try to humble people from birth. That's why they try to get the Jedi so young. But Anakin not only was older than the usual sort of Padawan, but also just won a pod race. Like he's (laughs) he's coming off a pretty big high. Like I don't, I just like it. Just didn't seem like hum like you couldn't humble him. And then when his hubris and his arrogance pays off, his midi chlorine count is like off the charts. It's like. It's it's just it's a slow moving car crash, right? Yeah, like it really is. Uh, everyone can see what's going to happen here. He's yeah. he is very good. He is very effective, yeah. but he never was humbled from childhood. He was told he was the sun dragon, and that he would amount to greatness. I love they brought that back. That Chen yeah. brought yeah, that. Yeah, that back that, that, I, that was touching. Honestly, that was like the only time in the book where I got really kind of like emotional. I was like, yeah. oh, this is this is tough stuff. I forgot about that when he when he started talking. Like this sounds really familiar. And I had to Google. I'm like, oh, that's right. It's from the Revenge of the Sith novelization, which is amazing, and that explains Anakin so much. Yeah. Like, he grew yeah. up with that story. Mm-hmm. He sees himself in that story. Um, the other thing about Mace Windu is that I don't know if I see him falling to the dark side. Part of me wonders if if because like he right he uses that he uses the lightsaber form, right? That's clo- yeah, yeah, that's closest that's to odd. the dark side, right? Aggressive. But I feel like it's someone who is only so centered who could do that. Like, I feel like you could do everything to Mace Windu and he would never fall to the dark side. No. I feel like because he's the only, because that shows his capability. But I don't know. He's the ideal Jedi, really. He's like, he's what I think, I think, I think Ahsoka and Mace Windu and I guess Luke for a certain time are are very similar in that I think they've honed the light and the dark within them. And I think that the per- perfect Jedi is a Mace Windu type, someone who understands there's inevitable darkness that's... Yeah. You just gotta deal letting with it. it. You just need to deal with it. You control it. Out. Yeah. It's a yeah, fact. You need to choose control. the light. Yeah. yeah. It's a choice. It's always a choice. You made the choice to, you know, understand it's there and sort of like... Uh, you know, I, I don't know, sort of embrace it. Whereas other Jedi are just like, oh, no, I'm just green or blue saber and I'm full light side and yep. I will never talk about the dark side. I, I would dare not, I dare not talk about like any yeah. dark side things like hidden relationships or you know anything like that. Like, yeah. you know, whereas Mace is like, no, it's all on the table and I understand this dark side and it's probably, in, it's in all of us and I'm going to, you know, uh, stick the stick the center path, the center road with the amethyst blade. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. Uh, yeah, there's no way that that thing because he's too powerful to to actually be kept alive in canon, right? Because yeah. he's just like, yeah, he's he would make a difference. So he's OP. Then, he's like know? the he's like the OP Jedi. Because I mean, he's yeah. I don't know. Like, I he I was think, going to kill Palpatine. Like, I I don't think Palpatine would have won, and I, I don't think that situation. I don't think uh, uh, Mace would have been over overtaken if. 
Anakin did not arrive. I think he wasn't there. Mace would have resolutely killed Palpatine in that moment. Like you don't think he was getting toyed with a little bit by? No, I think Mace was a real threat, and that the Anakin buildup was all for this. It was like I I need him to come be my apprentice at some point because Mace Windu is going to kill me. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Mace would have. I don't think uh, Palpatine would survived if if Anakin didn't because it was the distraction that did it. Like I think he had him. Um. Uh, I think I have a bit of a solution of how you can still have you can have a Mace Windu shoot show. Oh boy! Um, but I don't know if it's the one people are going to want. It has to be really short time period. It can only take place in the um, underside, like in in the in the um, under levels of Coruscant. Yeah. He gets nursed back to health. He knows who he is. He gets distracted with a side mission that's huge, and he has to sacrifice himself at the end. So, so in other words, he can't ever get out out of it. it. Has to be like if you want one more Mace Windu story, it's the last story, and he never gets back up to the top because once he gets back up to the top, he's too powerful, right? So he has to make the decision that I'm gonna sacrifice myself for this. This is yeah. more important. This child or whatever or this family. Yeah, I mean, it could be like someone is on to uh, Bail Organa or Obi Wan, like the hidden children, yeah. like. He figures that stuff out, and he's got it. Yeah, he's in, in like an impossible. You know, you know what that is? Though? I don't think it's a Mace Windu show, but I think it's a great inciting incident for Mace Windu crashing through someone's apartment window and being like, yeah. "This, that, and the other. Get this. Go to this world. I'm gonna die now." And like, and it's sort of like it could incite something huge. It's just so. Mace Windu the raid, right? But he dies at the end. So you literally just have him. Okay, fight. I mean, I'm down for that. He's having fighting his way up. Of course not. And he dies at the end for whatever. Wait, so it's like it's Tarantino directs. Yeah. Yeah. Or his movie. And it's yeah. basically oh Mace Windu the raid. His saber is sparking and broken when he lands. It's, it's a fight. It's, it's He it's, has to basically fight Vader style with like just the force. I'll put it this way. It's a two hour <laughs> movie. His lightsaber is never not ignited. One up me is constant lightsaber is yeah. better than no lightsaber. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Someone would be like the rampaging in the lower levels, but I don't know. Now I'm getting really, now I'm getting really, uh, really all feeds are like it's Mace Windu. It's 1917. It's all one take, hidden one take. <laughs> that lightsaber's never, never not ignited. Listen, <laughs> you wrote this movie. I that show. I want that. I just, right. I think Young Mace is where to start. Honestly, yeah. Young Mace. I think that's the way. If you're gonna do it, you do frame, framer, great framework to go back and explore a young Jedi in training. Yeah, I would do that show before the <laughs> what we're talking about, which is like Mace post window fall post like I don't know, probably getting that's, cybernetic. That's dogmatic. a story the kids want though. That yeah. and by the kids I mean me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean he's very angry and Samuel he would be very angry after that moment. And yeah. what about Samuel Jackson? He's that is like his element. Like yeah, he's angry. <laughs> <laughs> or a, yeah, a front like you know, yeah. So oh, okay, we, we can't say, talk about. Yeah. We <laughs> talked about we talked about a character in a book, and then and then somehow started talking about Mace Windu again. But so we talked okay. about Rogue, 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 Rogue. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about Mill. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mill, Mill, yeah. Um, she's wants. fantastic. Yeah. So another. So we have a Zabrak female, ten-year-old, I think, uh, young one. Tennis. So maybe, yeah. maybe younger. Um, and two hearts. Zabrak's got two hearts. Zabrax, do you have two hearts? That's correct. Canon. Um, she, yeah, so she has a thing where when she feels the force, she feels suffering all the time. That's like, 
just like she opens herself up and she just feels the suffering of others and it overtakes her um and yeah. she gets a that's an un- cool. yeah, yeah that's cool but she like yeah she that's i like that aspect and then she really doesn't like lightsabers and i was like a lightsaber is like the coolest thing like i don't like that's like the coolest part of being a jedi she's like like, no like that's where you end and milk again i was like you can be defensive you can block laser bolts like it doesn't have to be strictly violence like you block defensive there's there's you can open doors there's yeah. an entire style that I think is just blocking. Like I'm almost certain there's an entire style that has nothing to do with attack. But absolutely, yeah. fully defensive. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. I mean that's that's what wins. That's what wins it against Palpatine in the end. Yeah. True. Yeah. I think it's I think it's more the attitude her peers have about lightsabers uh, is what turns her off. Yeah, they're kind of like I can't wait to get a sweet. I can't wait to start chopping. Or, them off. Yeah, chopping up battle <clears throat> droids. I was like, okay, yeah, like but the droids. I mean, like it's not. I don't know. I just didn't see the whole beat. Droids with consciousness. Up light. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, read Shadow of the Sith and get back to me. Okay. I, I will. I will do both of those things, actually. Um, yeah, I know. I, th- I thought she was kind of great. I mean, obviously, we get her, you know, uh, Annie, uh, Anakin as a mentor to her. Um, and he actually helps her out, um, which was cool. It shows, you know, Anakin's development. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean... And her ability is key to, you know, helping everyone survive and get through this. Um, And then at the end, it's like after all these heroic, like, efforts by everyone to nurture her and bring her through, Yoda doesn't really actually do the best thing in the world, actually, with her. He's like, it'll be fine. Just shut up. You're going to be a Jedi. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. And then she's like, nope, I'm out. I'm I'm out. Um, That was a rough rough read for Yoda. Yeah. Yeah. It was a rough read. Yeah. That was not feeling very um, looking very empathetic at that moment. Um, but, you know, the war, whatever. Yeah, he's he's got a lot going on. He's being pulled in a lot of different directions. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, he, yeah. He thinks I, he knows kids when he's talking to Anakin earlier in the book. Yeah. It's and kind it's, of his own hubris of like he knows the child's mind, but the child's mind is unknowable because it's. Right. And I think he's so, so new fully, to the world, new to the kid. Believes in the force too, right? Like he yeah. just knows, like it will all work out. Like it will, if you need to leave, you need to leave. But let's give it time. But it's done in such a quick way that I feel like he's just he couldn't do his his true Yoda approach because he's probably figuring out fifteen different battles that need to happen. And like, yeah, Dad's busy right now. He's got yeah. a, he's got other things he's got to worry about. Speaking of dads, I think we get I think we get our answer for why Padme doesn't fall for Daddy Juan Kenobi in this book. Uh, and I think it has to do with his hair. Oh, his hair. That's right. Oh, Larry. Oh, they go after the mom pretty hard in this book. Really and do. I always thought it was a pretty sweet look, but apparently laughable to Padme and Anakin. Yeah. What's wrong with hockey hair? Eh? <laughs> What's wrong with the with the, you know, business in the front and party in the back? I don't understand. They haven't bought the T-shirt yet. I don't know. Yeah. I know. Um, yeah, and it, it actually shames him into his uh, episode three look. It's true. Is, yeah. <laughs> which is actually really the whole Clone Wars he looked like that. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was a really fun way that they did that, that Mike Chen did that, where he was like, you know what, we're going to be on the Hollow Net news a lot. By the way, they're our competitor. You don't need to watch Hollow Net news. Yeah. You need Core no, World news. Core World news. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm, yeah. They easily could have been watching Core World news uh, during this whole... about them book, dealing but... with misinformation and shoddy yep. editing, so, you know... Yeah. 
I mean, if, if they're misrepresenting, the if they're misrepresenting Obi Wan and they're cutting up the footage, I mean, there's your evidence right there that they're not bringing you, you know, full on speculation and uh, opinion news like us. Yeah. You know, don't right. believe their fair and balanced uh, tagline. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, don't believe it. Don't buy the hype. Um, but yeah, so they got to look good. So he, he changed his hairstyle. That's pretty great. Yeah, it's great. All right, well, I, I have a question for yeah. mostly Grant, but actually for both of you. Uh, okay, I can, I can. You both say. know this character, and I don't. Her last name is Abeleth. Abeloth. Is, well, Abeleth, but it's really close to Abeloth. No, yeah, oh, yeah we we're talking about the old legends. Oh, Abeloth. Yeah. I'll let Grant yeah. take this, which is a sort of like force, uh, a dark. Uh, Sith, not Sith, but like dark side entity, yeah, um, that existed thousands of years ago. That I guess comes back in the Legends books, and I haven't read these books in a long time. But she yeah. is a, a dark side entity. She's even being connected, I think, in newer, sort of closer to canon books that are still Legends. I think she's been connected to sort of like Mortis and that stuff. Like she's almost the mother, but she's like dark side. Like she's almost like the ultimate sort of matriarch, dark matriarch character. If you can think of the brother, it's almost like yeah. the dark matriarch would be Abeloth, uh, a sort of like restless dark side wraith sort of character that's existed for eons. Yeah. So my question is, do you think they were laying a little groundwork here no 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 because like i mean for a sequel sequel trilogy no like maybe she takes a couple wrong turns and no no, oh, no. I don't really it's not it. even i didn't even think about that i was just like i just thought you're just you're bringing up i just think star wars is in desperate need of a sort of arch uh uh female uh villain like to basically you know wow the masses like vader did back in the 70s you know like in the, the original trilogy like i think that I think that that's possible. I think that could be a really fun character. And I think that would be really juicy material for someone. And I think they just keep recycling sort of the old, you know, pasty guy. And it's like, let's just do something fun. Let's do yeah. a new villain. And so I've always, I always thought Ray could have been connected to Avaloth. I've had hundreds of theories I've, sh I've shared on this show that we don't really dwell on the uh, in theory crafting anymore. But I mean, back in the day, we used to do a lot, it's, especially during the sequel trilogy. I was, I was always like, and then Avaloth, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the whisper, like, hey, that's a female sequel whispering on Octu. Yeah. That's Avaloth, right? <laughs> she was like my Mephisto of the sequel trilogy. That's like, so true. I forgot how many times you said Avaloth that during that time. Yeah, I was like, and so Avaloth, yeah, oh sweet. Like I did not think Palpatine was the the, the move. Really, I was like, oh, okay. But don't you think there's some room for Abeloth later on in a sequel sequel trilogy or some, you yeah. know? No, I think what you do now is you basically have Ray's whole like this shadow Ray that they they basically <laughs> set up in Rise of the, the Rise of Skywalker is like something that she'll be dealing with, I imagine, for the rest of her life. Like yeah. seeing a fanged version of yourself like attack you is that's, I don't know. That's not like the that's not the force tree for Luke. That's like a different that's like not the force cave. Okay. That's like a different whole thing. That's like you don't, you don't think Abloff like, should be like a big bad. And half that is very evil. And like here's an the incarnation's even developed enough where it, she has a double bladed lightsaber. She has dark robes. She has sharp teeth. Like, like that's more imagery than Luke got. Luke was like, oh, I just I'm the spitting image of my father, and I'm gonna make the same. Yeah. So it's not the same thing. I think what Ray has is a real dark side connected to Palpatine within her that is going to be a turmoil. And if she I, I hate planting offspring with a female lead, but it's like if she has offspring and they're twins, it's like so uh, that, they that, could be dark. Like one could be dark. I mean, I don't see why not. That's the question: is if, <laughs> if we want to appease old EU yeah. fans, 
do we kick the can down the road for the Jason and yeah, exactly. Jason the solo yeah. story yeah. Yeah. to yeah. raise offspring, right? Yes. And that's where we get the Avalos stuff. Which, by the way, I I was like, I know all the Avalos stuff, but I'm like, oh, I'm, I haven't read those books yet. I'm still like 15 books away from those yeah. books. So I'll let you know oh in a half. Yeah, I think she does turn one of those kids to the dark side. Right? Yeah, I just, well, I, just the, I was Googling. The I just, spirit, the ancient. It spoils me, I know who. So now I gotta wait 15 books to find out how that happens. So he's already had, oops, yeah, yeah. gender away. So now we know which of the twins. Um, but um, <laughs> oh. yeah, so Avaloth is a big deal. And I've always just hoped that Avaloth, but Avaloth, I didn't get any of that sort of reading. It's really. I'll let you know when I get there. <laughs> but um, um, so there's a popular character in Boston um, who entertains the masses uh, downtown, and his name is Kitar Bear. Uh, he's a man so in a, every in a bear time, suit. Every time Kitar is written, you were, and that's a lot, by the way, in this book. Yeah, but yeah I yeah. imagine him holding a Kitar um, in a bear Sweet. costume, <laughs> and that's what he shoots like blaster bolts out of his Kitar. Uh, but yes, no, that you that's my I, own problem. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, Kitar was an interesting character as well. He was another main character. Some of the some of the deeper concepts I got out of this book. I mean, Kitar Kitar was awesome. Um, this is a fun character. Before we move, young kind of like uh, he was like the young sort of royal guard compared to uh, yeah. Rude, oh, who was the more seasoned. Right. He was a he was a patriot, you know. Like he was, he thought he was, you know, he was a radical trying to defend Cato Nemoidia. Yes. Yeah, and was just became a, a you know a patsy basically. Yeah, a tool of a yeah. Ventress who played mm-hmm. the tied into Mill quite a bit to bring it back to Mill, right? Mill just sensed, sensed this, like, for, at first when they were explaining, Mill just sensed this, like, huge rage. I thought it was going to be... Pain. Yeah. I thought it was going to be um, um, Dooku or uh, Ventress, right? Like, I thought she was yeah. a dead size user, but I like the idea that it was... it Was um, was it Rain? But yeah, yeah. Um, agreed. I, one thing I want to say about Mill as well... Um, is that she plays a pivotal role, I think, in, in Anakin getting Ahsoka. Right? Yes. Like, yeah. If, yeah. If Mill was sticking around and was ready for a Padawan or ready to take a master, I, I think Anakin would have taken her on. And I think this was like, this is a great little story of like, because when you think about how fast he's just suddenly has a has a Padawan, which yeah. is what they play on in the, in, in, the in, in the Clone Wars cartoons. But it's just, to me, it's always felt so rushed. I think just having this breathing room of this story yeah. explains why he's just like, you know, he, he was a great master. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, it's I'm, funny because it's like almost yeah. like the Jedi masters are the knights errant. And when you become a knight, you have to go through the rite of passage of dealing with the children, dealing with the younglings. Yeah. Yeah. And teaching. And <laughs> this great line from Anakin where he's like, I don't think I was putting this galaxy to teach. And I was like, yeah, yeah I don't think George had that intention either. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> and, and I was like, I we all as fans agree. Yeah, yeah, but George created Ahsoka, you know, with Filoni, yeah, yeah, but George wanted that to happen. But what does Anakin give Ahsoka other than, I don't know, right. sort of like the willingness to help? Like, I don't know what he gives her other than well, like... The help. willingness to help and the willingness to rebel. Okay, yeah, yeah I guess, yeah. He gives yeah. her something. Yeah. By I, any means necessary. Right? I think, if you think about, if you think about, actually, it just kind of popped in my head of like, mm-hmm. she's pretty integral in early, um, in early rebellion era right because mm-hmm. in in clone wars or in um rebels who is she what's her code name fulcrum yeah so like if you think about it anakin sowed the seeds of destruction by mentoring of the of the empire by mentoring 
Ahsoka. Like, Ahsoka is very key in the Rebellion forming, which puts mm. everything else into motion as well. That's an interesting point. He was kind of the yeah. Obi-Wan to Ahsoka, which yeah. is, you know... And Ahsoka kind of the Obi-Wan. Act- yeah, and Ahsoka needs to access just some some sort of, like, other layer to, the, to her Jedi, you know, training yeah. to deal with Thrawn later on. So, like, maybe... Anakin's teaching were exactly what she needed to deal with Thrawn because Thrawn's estimating her as a Jedi. Right. And she's not a Jedi. She's a Jedi who was trained by Anakin Skywalker who turned to Darth Vader. She's trained by someone who basically uh, was fully in conflict their whole life, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's it makes Ahsoka really a fascinating character. The more you... It's really hard to even put the scale in my mind or, like, in, in your mind, like, mm-hmm. that... You know, this was she was tutored by, you know, Anakin Skywalker during wartime. And it, it makes her just a, such a fascinating character. Like, what did she learn? I can't wait. I, I'm I'm I didn't <laughs> yeah. think I was due for another rewatch of Clone Wars. But now I, ab- I know, after this right? book, I absolutely. Yeah. Need to yeah. Every time I read one of these, I think I'm like, oh, man, now I got to rewatch it again. Yeah. Yeah. But it's been a minute for me. It's been a few years. So I'm going to go back and um, wait, and guys, did Anakin invent the long range comlink? Like, did Anakin invent that? Like, sort of, the, is the technology that, because he, I guess someone else invented it, but he said he was on a mission in Terrace where they invented some sort of like long range comp. Oh, I, yeah, this is a Obi Wan. And I'm like, is yeah. that like almost a connection to like The Last Jedi and the sort of long distance comm that like Skyping? Um, but I guess the, uh, the tracker that uh, Ray and Finn have, like, it was right. just like, did Anakin invent that technology? Because it makes sense. He is such a tinker that he would maybe invent the, the comm link that goes a little further or something. But I don't know. I thought that was cool. I wrote that down. Yeah, right. I have a lot of random notes. Um, did you catch the Cal Kestis? Walk? No. 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 Yeah. And Is I'm there a name find... check? Is there a name check? What was his master's name? I can't remember his master's name originally. Oh, yeah, master. yeah, yeah. His master's... Oh. I, I have to, I'm looking for the quote, but his master gets the name checked. And there's a little redhead boy with him. So I'm pretty sure it's Cal Kestis. Yeah, uh, Jero to Paul. Yeah, Jero, I think so. Jero yeah. to Paul, yeah. Character. Um, yeah, Master to Paul. I love those scenes where you were training. And even in this book, they talk about how, like, oh, the younglings, like, you know, before the, um, what is it called, the gathering or whatever, they, they go get the crystals or whatever. It's like, they don't just do that. Sometimes they, like, you know, obviously there's, like, meditation, but there's, like, acrobatics training and i was like oh is that in that room where we are in in a fallen order where we're jumping around as yeah right? is like is that where the acrobatic training happens like absolutely yeah. love that stuff yeah um yeah i had you know i, I have a bunch of oh, notes yeah. i found it <laughs> if you care nice Page yeah 25 oh where'd it go uh, oh, he continued watching Anakin, uh, who took a moment to gather himself before stopping to talk with Jaro Tapal and the red-haired younglin yeah. who trailed him. Oh, uh, nice. Easter egg. Good catch. Nice. That's great. So many Jedi are named. There's, like, Jedi named, I think, during Anakin's knighting, there's, like, yeah. eight Jedi named. They're all new. Yeah. I don't think I've heard any of those names before. I was like, another Keldor that's not Thukun? Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm in. And he has, well, like, sweet gas masks. So. I'm, like, yeah, I'm in. I'm into it. Um, yeah, I just, I just, there's, I, I have just random notes here. I don't know what else I yeah, have. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I, I just got a Qui-Gon note here. I, I took like more notes for this book than any other Star Wars book. Really? 
I just kept feeling like everything was important. Right. You know? Everything felt like a reference. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Or but the, I mean, just like important stuff. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is really developing. It's like, and that's what this book is. It's like every chapter develops this relationship in a very important way. Well, don't we talk about this event, the sort of like hubris of the Jedi and the fall of the order? Like, don't we talk about this more than most other canonical events? Like, yeah, it's the kind yeah. of thing that is like a driving, inciting sort of event for a, a catalyst for the rest of, I guess, Star Wars and, and the Jedi. Uh yeah. So we talk about this a lot, and he and Mike Chen gets to really shape a lot of this fun discourse here. And one thing he does is when Padme and Anakin go to the 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 underlevels and they go to the the Amandasi market, which was like, why is this not a Disney World? It's like basically a street food market from like different yeah. planets all over the galaxy. And I was yeah. like, so each Let's like cuisine has to be like wildly different. I was like, that's such a cool concept. And, uh, and she goes there and she sees sort of the struggle of the, the poor and Anakin doesn't see that stuff. I mean, you can, I guess you can take it as he's come from nothing and, and they're the Jedi are selfless, but like, are the Jedi utilitarian and they don't feel empathy? Like do, do the Jedi, do the Jedi have empathy? We're not here to free slaves. Yeah, one of the most famous Jedi quotes. The Jedi do not have empathy. No, I mean I think I'm sure it's they're just utilitarian. They just do the most. They just like look at the reasoning. This the reason why they fell, right? Because they're so much trying not to give into emo base emotions that they have trouble recognizing it or feeling it in others. Right. If you let go to attachments to everything, then you're letting go to empathy. Your empathy, right? Like you're yeah. letting mm -hmm. go to all your you know day to day reactions, but yet. They're supposed to be the defenders of peace and justice, and you know. That's why you could almost argue that the theme of being. the entire, I guess the the saga films uh, is to have. Well, I guess the first six is to that empathy wins out. That like, yeah, empathy is such an important characteristic in our nature that it needs to boil down to a son showing empathy to his father yeah. in the final this eleventh hour. You know, like it's like it's kind of a gorgeous sentiment, and we see that in Obi Wan. Yeah. Right, he gets put in the series when he gets buried under the rocks. He flashes on mm -hmm. little Luke and little Leia, right? And, right, that's and right. Need to protect these young ones, like, yeah. right? And what he's learned from them, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was a pretty powerful moment, and that's kind of just that that definitely shined a light on sort of a flaw of the Jedi uh, of that era. Yeah. Well, that's really yep. that's a really cool. interesting concept. Um, yeah, they've still got it. That's the thing with the Jedi. It's like. Yes, they're adaptable, but it also makes them a moving target for us, you know, yeah. for people that are trying to nail down what actually it means and, and what I, are they. I do love in this book, at one point, Anakin goes, if I hadn't become a Jedi, I'd probably be like a, I'd probably be a pod racer or something. I was like, that is the Infinities. The Infinities yeah. is uh, like a star pod racer yeah. somewhere in the galaxy. What have yeah. ever found Anakin? Like, I can't think of another organic Infinities or if he doesn't become a Jedi, it's like he's definitely a pod racer. Well, What's great about that story is you can tell it on the personal level. So you have the personal level going on of what's Anakin's life story, but also the back <laughs> level too. So you can cut back <laughs> those things. Yeah, that, that's a great uh, We'll do it. So I have another infinity for you that this actually okay. that Mike Chen brings up and presents <laughs> to the fandom sure. just like on a silver platter. Yes. And uh and it was it, it's a quote from Obi-Wan where he opines. I've got the quote, but why even? I'm just gonna paraphrase. Yeah, what yeah. would have had so a lot this whole time like Obi Wan's on the Holonet news and then so is Duchess Satine as she solidifies the um, Confederacy of Independent Systems. No, uh, 
wait neutral systems the neutral. Neutral. neutral yeah yeah, yeah. Neutral. yeah neutral. it's not a confederacy it's but but it's like, yeah yeah uh, uh, basically joins the neutral at system. the very end the yeah. neutral system it's not con- yeah cis is independent systems but this is the neutral systems and so it, it the irony that a mandalorian is the bastion of of nonviolence well, is right. amazing um but yeah so he it, so there's a part late in the thing where obi-wan's seeing her as she establishes this entity and all the great things she's accomplished and he's thinking about like well i was just doing this as well he's like what would have happened if i had had left with her would we have affected the galaxy in the same way? And so I wanted to ask y'all, what do you think would have happened if Obi-Wan left the order uh, for Satine and what would they have done together? I think Palpatine, well, I think the galaxy would be doomed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. That's for yeah. what, for sure. I mean, uh, I have to think Obi- Obi-Wan, especially after watching Obi-Wan, the series, and reading this book, and just delving more into Obi-Wan as a character, he really is, I think, the the, the steadfast hero of the saga and of yeah. all of Star Wars. And I think that I think he he was res- we we always accuse Jedi for being too reserved, but maybe his uh, his sort of falling back on inquiry and 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 sort of his reserved nature, maybe it did serve him. Maybe yeah. maybe it worked. Like maybe it worked for one of them, and it's Obi Wan Kenobi. And until I guess he starts to see the empathy for Luke and Leia later in his life and things like that, like. You know, know gives you a new a new way of living, but it, yeah, it's mostly his Jedi teachings paid off. Someone who who agree, studied yeah. the yeah. book, it worked. Like it worked. <laughs> like he he believes the in the well, Force in the way that yeah, in the way that Qui Gon believes in the Force, right? Where it's just like just trust in the will of the Force, yes. and the rest of the dogma just like take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. But he it, like Obi Wan's also an idealist when it comes to the Republic. Yeah. And and wants the the best to you know to serve and be the best Jedi as he mm-hmm. he's being asked to be by Yoda and the Council and, yeah. and everyone else. Um, but it it I think it is that that willingness to just let go and follow the the will of the Force that 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 carries him you know through and, his. And to kind of go back to your initial question, the affinities is so. I always think of how little of a role Obi Wan plays in Episode One, except defeating Maul. Like, yeah. not really in that movie much yeah. at all, right? So, if you think about that movie... It's a Sith Lord in a Star Wars film. It's not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> NVD. No, that thing, if you think about it, if you take him out of the equation, yeah. Qui-Gon might still end up there, right? Still end up with Anakin. Right. Still right. end up on on Naboo at the very end, but, but there's no one left to defend him. So, Maul lives, uh, and who trains Anakin... I don't know. Like, does he end up going back to? Does he end up going? He back doesn't get to trained. He doesn't get trained. Maul's still alive, and then he's not being trained. So that means that means Palpatine can just swoop in and scoop him up. Or, or if this yeah. exactly if Palpatine knows he Palpatine, exists, which I don't think he does. But maybe he feels him, right? Because even if he's on, he's on. Because he's like because I think all the end he still sees him flying the starfighter. He still sees him blowing up the droid command ship. Right, like he, yeah. and so when everyone goes back to Coruscant, because I think you still bring the kid to Coruscant, he still ends yeah. up there. He just gets rejected, 
And I think Palpatine senses it, or at least knows it's happening, and is like, bring me this child. Right, and, and the Jedi that. don't want to touch them, even though, like, Padme's, well, this kid was, like, oh, yeah. we wanted to train this kid, but... Um, I do think I do think if Obi Wan did go and retire with Satine, I do think he would fight back with a massive like Mandalorian army against whatever threat did arise, like the Empire, yeah. what happened. Well, yeah, that's the thing. That's He'd it. be there waiting for Maul when Maul right. tries to take over Mandalore, and I, and I don't think he succeeds. And maybe Satine is able to be more effective because she has another really strong leader with her, right? So mm -hmm. two of them together. The 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 they're able to start this neutrality order that's bigger, and so it ends the fighting in a way that power. That's actually a really fun story for yeah. maybe uh, if you want to go back in time and explore the Mandalorians, a, a Jedi. I know Tar Vizsla is uh, was a Jedi turn uh, Mandalorian turned Jedi back goes back to being a Mandalorian or whatever. Yeah, that story was. But um, it'd be fun if it's like you know a Jedi and a Mandalorian team up, and that's why the Empire rises to such strength because you have the cunning and the expertise of a Jedi mixed with the the the, the warrior, you know, path of the, right. the way the way of the Mandalorians. Oh my right. God, Obi Wan Kenobi as a Mandalorian is like the biggest <laughs> yeah, no, that, that in the entire world. Wild, by the way, I can already see like the hot toys like just, yeah. here, where it's just like Obi Wan decked out in Mando. Don't, like, don't you want to see? I want an art book. <laughs> An arc of Star Wars. It's literally every single character as they would look like as a Mandalorian. Just <laughs> I mean, every character. That's all I want. Don't, don't we that? get like, we get Obi Wan in Mando armor for a little bit, right? Yeah. Like, they put a jetpack on him, and he yeah. like. Oh my God! Do you feel the the cape swag? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm telling you, each one can get their own little. I want to see a Dooku in Land of Infinity, where it's just yeah. like a real caper. You know, like I just. <laughs> Was that a pun? <laughs> Because they both wear capes. No, I mean, like, I don't know what else you would title that at that point, you know? Maybe what Star Wars caper. But, like, yeah, that would be the ultimate caper. I mean, Grievous would have to be there, too, because his cape is pretty legend. Yeah. Both of them have cape, too. Exactly over here. Have you seen I'm trying to think of the best capes. I don't know. Lando probably wins, but. Yeah. Oh, I think so. I think Lando's got it in lock. I mean, he's like. He's got the most. He has the most. cape games. And best capes. But have you seen the Grogu and Mandalorian armor that's been floating around? Recently, <laughs> uh, armor. Yeah, it's fascinating. If we it see like that, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I need that in my life. No, <laughs> it's, it looks like World of Warcraft. It's weird. Yeah, it's yeah, little, right. Yeah, but somebody, are the track. ears sticking out of the helmet, or are the ears encased I think in? Helmet? They're out of the helmet. It's it's which is like it's really. I mean, the, the artist is a really great artist, and I think they did it accurately. And it's also realizing, good job. Please don't ever do this. In life. <laughs> when does Grogu find that? Do when does Grogu find like the floating chair that Yoda has? Yeah, the prequel. Is that well, soon, right? Because he's already got the he's got the little. Uh, That's what I mean. Yeah, the next up thing he can go after the the chair. The chair. Or does, or does he get the spider walker? <laughs> that. That's uh, a little too like Modoki for me though. I don't know if I'm like yeah. I'm ready for like Grogu no, I, chair. Like I think it's coming yeah. though. They need a mobile and not walking. I know it's tough. You well, can't make a puppet walk, so it's like is that they're gonna have some real problems there. Designs where the Grogu is a backpack essentially. Yeah. And uh, the ship has a kind of like back seat. I'm like, is now does now does he ride as a backpack now? Probably. I think Grogu's a backpack in the next. I think season. so too. Yeah, I think that's well, yeah. That's how I carry part my Chewini. Um, yeah, I carry my dog in a backpack. That's the best way to, to move around with a Chewini. And if you're going to splunk down into the sort of caverns of Mandalore, you're going to need Grogu in like a backpack, right? Yeah. Like, or a baby Bjorn or something.
I think, yeah, it's going to be like more a baby Bjorn because he's got a jetpack back there and a cape. By Space the way. Bjorn could be huge. Yeah. That's yeah. great. That My wife be... and I have been on vacation throwing our two-year-old over our shoulder, like her arms over draped over my shoulder, <laughs> walking around the pool. And I yeah. kept saying, like, Luke and Yoda. And so little two-year-old was like, so now it's not back bat. And now it's not arms like, Luke Yoda. Yeah. That's, oh, that's so cute. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so um, all right. I'm going to put a capper on this thing unless you guys have anything else you want to see. No, no, I, think we, I think we hit on everything. I yeah. do. Oh, you know what? One quick thing. It really is quick. I just want to bring it back to Ben. You mentioned at the very beginning is that there's so much writing in this about his obsession with his mechanical arm. Uh, yeah. And I love that going throughout of it. And I love that we get that. It makes sense to tinker and Anakin not being satisfied. And it, it just sows that little seed of why like Vader's always working on his armor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then like how the sand grains, sand grains get in there and like how like conscious of it he is. And then um, but then also like ultimately he comes to terms with it and he's like, oh, I can actually I'm stronger in this hand yeah. now yeah. and I can use this. And like he finds his balance with it. And that's like so maybe it's not the worst thing in the world that he's a quadriplegic. Uh, you know, he, he's still plenty powerful as bigger. It'd be fun if it was just additive and almost like seductive to use the enhanced strength and like. Yeah. all yeah. that kind of stuff to yeah. then when luke looks at it later in the films it's like adds that sort of there's you know it's actually if you use it you're you're gonna be able to accomplish a lot and yeah although yeah. you'll be you know crushing people and whatnot yeah. Yeah. seen in the air yeah. of the empire where luke uses a mechanical arm to escape a a, a prison cell <laughs> ah. like, there you go i'd be like i'm so glad i have this fake arm yeah yeah i mean i could see how they'd be handy yeah i want no nothing I'm, I'm, yeah no that's great <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sort of time. There's just that, yeah. There's uh, a lot of that. It's a lot of like cyber cyber metaphor going on. It's, it's like a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like we've talked for like an hour and twenty minutes about this book, and I feel like we we haven't scraped the paint off the yeah. Star Destroyer yet. Like it's there's so much chunky goodness, uh, like lore and insight um, in That's this story. Like, the plot's good, but it's 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 not deep. And it's all about the characters. So this is even if you heard this and you haven't read it, it's really still worth reading. You'll get so yeah. out of it. Yeah. Yeah. We really didn't even spoil yeah. anything. I think. Like I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. It's it's just it's a great adventure. So um, we still don't know it. much about basic basilisk physiology. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Indeed. All right. There'll so I will. Lots of I, cake. Lots of cake. Cake can be eaten. I have a quote uh, here that I wanted to uh, bring in. And I don't know whose uh, point of view this is actually from, but it's, I'll just read it. Uh, Qui-Gon would forever tie two opposing forces together, their partnership always edging towards spinning out of control, but always, always finding a way to make a happy landing. It took not having that intrinsic link to Anakin for Obi-Wan to finally see how much they needed each other, not just on a strategic level, but to keep each other in check. Obi-Wan's tactful diplomacy pulling in Anakin's impossible drive and Anakin's overwhelming everythingness, removing a layer of Obi-Wan's measured clinical thinking. So this is that's the other thing we didn't really talk about. They're tied. Like they are like they are constantly being pulled together. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I just thought that was kind of beautiful. Um, and then they in the fact that they used Obi-Wan, like Qui-Gon there to exemplify it. They never say the word brotherhood, I don't think, in the book or no. brothers. Um, at all but that was them sort of that that was the tie together of the whole book i think yeah was, I, uh, I had that same i'm glad you i'm glad you remembered it to have that. i had that highlight too i think it's such a, a key yeah. part of it yeah there's definitely yeah. that's the yeah. heart of it. 
I definitely have a th thought that maybe Anakin was in Discord, you know, ever since Qui-Gon's passing, because Qui-Gon would have been able to sort of like, yeah, it's been flexible with Anakin and yeah. but also more stringent with Anakin. And I think that, yeah, I think that that truly was the sort of, I, I think Obi-Wan's clinical nature and sort of, I guess, uh, detective sort of like uh, by the book sort of nature is wasn't the best for Anakin. I think he needed someone who was willing to trust the living force and yeah, willing to yeah. trust, hey, Anakin's going to do a flip and cut off a bunch of droids' heads and 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 he's going to pull off a move that... You know, I don't think he would be that showy with Qui-Gon. Like, would Anakin be so... I don't know. I think so. I think Qui-Gon would have, like you said, nurtured it and just been yeah. like, just be yourself, do your thing, like whatever that is. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, he saw the downfall. Qui-Gon saw the downfall of his master... Dooku and like Dooku is into some weird stuff, man. And you know, there's a line like when it starts getting to force lightning, that's where you should probably start calling in an adult or something. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I will say like, I think you're right. I think we, we talk about this all the time. What would have happened with Qui-Gon? Like Qui-Gon was the the father, the, the mentor that Anakin was destined to have. And it just didn't happen. But we, you know, Obi Wan was also taught by Qui Gon more so than any other person, right? So, or except for Rail Abeloth, Rail Abeloth, is that his name? Rail. Yeah. I'll just call him Rail. Yeah, Rail. Um, you know, so you know, he Qui Gon's teachings were passed on, but the best that Obi Wan could do it, and um, that's what we got. But yeah, it is sort of fascinating. It's true to think about, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more. And I think the other thing to mention real quick is that we talk about the what ifs all the time, but their entire relationship is surrounded by that what if, and it's mm -hmm. like that they both are questioning constantly yes. what if Obi Wan yeah. and I think that yeah. I think that's yeah. a poison pill oh. in the middle of their relationship in some ways. Quickly, Anakin's the worst date ever. That's, that's, I just want to end the podcast. Oh, you didn't think that was romantic? You like going for? A, I thought that was great. I thought not pay for the speeder that they take to the underlevels. He. Uh -huh. She puts a flower in her hair, and he's like, I thought we were being inconspicuous. I'm like, yeah, you can't just compliment the flower in her hair. Nice flower. Yeah. Yeah. You I don't know. There's a lot going on where I was just like, all right, Anakin. And then that's so funny. And he doesn't I notice did. the poor. Like, I don't know. It was just like, yeah. yeah, yeah does the sandwich worst that she, bought, she hunted out and bought for him? Oh, yeah. She yeah. goes to find like Tatooine esque. Oh. oh, yeah. And he's got notes about that? Yeah. Slings, yeah. He sucks. <laughs> He's like, I mean, it's yeah. almost as good as Tatooine. Like, that, like yeah. yeah. As opposed to saying, this is great. Thank you for a taste of it. Yeah, life. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Not that hard. ways to handle this date, but all right. Oh, my gosh. That's uh, amazing. I did think, like, George Lucas would have loved that scene, though. Them, like, just, too, like, yeah. yeah, on a closed course, just, like, racing you know, and then going out for a bite to eat. Like it was very, yeah, it, it gave me air. It gave me feelings of like Kira and Han sort of like vibes or it's yeah. like yeah. sweet speeder, like American graffiti stuff exactly. like right. in and the under levels. And like, you know, just, I don't know. It's, it's kind of an antiquated idea of like guy and gal go on date night, yeah, but drive around, but like the roots but of like that is American graffiti. And that like is George. And so like, it, yeah. I definitely felt that in those scenes. Yeah. Um, all right. Awesome. We did it. We covered it. I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to the maker. Um, yeah. If you have any other notes on this book, please reach out and talk to us on uh, on Instagram or Twitter um, or Discord. Uh, we're on there doing our thing. Um, we've got a couple more exciting weeks coming up uh, of content that we've been putting in the works. So 
Um, I think next week will be comics, question mark? Sure, yeah. We got sure. Alpha. We got Dr. Afro to cover. So we okay, can... I think it'll probably be Afro yeah. next yeah. week. And then um, the week after, we have a special guest. So um, that'll be awesome. But um, yeah, so thanks very much for listening to us this week. I hope you enjoyed this book, and um, we'll talk to you next week. May the force be with you. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you, always.